0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Good morning, Downtown Church. Um, Thank you, Rebecca, for that wonderful message. I am Sir Gregory Thornton, the youth pastor here, and I have the the privilege, the honor, and the joy to give um, you God's word this morning, but before I um, hop into Preaching this word, I just want to remind everyone here that following this sermon, we are going to um, meet at the table and and have communion. So if you don't already have your um, liquid element in your um, element that represents the body, I'm going ahead and get it now. And if you have been um, following along with us, you know that we are currently taking a break. Uh, we have pressed the pause button from preaching through the book of Isaiah. And we felt that it was important and even relevant to discuss on uh, what this season of this worldwide pandemic has exposed us all to. Um, this season has exposed us so many different things that are problems in our hearts. We talked a couple weeks ago about how we are all built for community, how we are not created to live life alone. And uh, we talked um, a couple of weeks ago about how God use it, uses these uh, frustrating and, and hard times to transform us into his glorious beings. And last week we heard from uh, Pastor Richard that, that, that we all have these desires in our heart that we um, are working to obtain. But the desires in our hearts Point us to the God who is only able to meet our desires. And this morning, I want to continue along that vein and, and talk about what motivates and drives our desires. Or or maybe I should say we are going to talk about what motivations should not, what, what motivations we should not be driven by. So if, if you have your Bibles or if not, you can meet me in Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. I'll be reading from Matthew um, chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. And it reads as such. It says, from the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day day. Um, and And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind on the things. You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Jesus said, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or what shall a man give in return for his soul this is the word of the Lord before I preach with you I just bow in a word of prayer with me I'm dear Lord I truly am grateful for your word Lord I'm grateful for this opportunity to come and worship together Lord, I just pray now, Lord, that you just clear all distractions, Lord. Just um, Holy Spirit, um, bless the hearers and the listeners of your word, Lord. Bless me now as I stand here to preach your word, Lord. I need your power. I need your might, Lord. I need your help, your grace right now. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I like to title this, this message, um, God's Plan. And before I go on, let me go ahead and give you what the main point of this message is. The, the main point of this message is for us to learn from God's plan that we are to stop living for our own plan and live for God's plan. That we are to stop trying to build our own kingdoms and, and live to build God's kingdom. And so as we look back at Matthew chapter 16, right before this passage of scripture, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, has just confessed that Jesus is the savior of the world, that he and the whole Jewish nation has been waiting on. And right after that, Jesus finally revealed to all of his disciples his true identity. See, Jesus says that Jesus isn't just a man, a good man, Jesus isn't just a good teacher or a prophet. No, Jesus has come as the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one sent from God who is to save and heal this broken and fallen world. And now Jesus looks at at his disciples and says, because I am here, I have come to save this world. I must go to Jerusalem. And when I get to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer not only am I going to suffer, but I'm going to suffer much. And not only that, but I'm going to be killed. They are going to kill me when I get to Jerusalem. And this This does something to to Peter's heart. Peter gets scared. He gets angry and he pulls Jesus aside and he says, far be it from you, Jesus. This will not happen. You are the Messiah that we have been waiting for. You have come to save us. How can you be killed? We will not go to Jerusalem. This cannot happen. And Jesus next words has to be some of the most hurtful words for anyone to 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 ever hear. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are hindering me. You are trying to prevent me from doing God's will, from, from accomplishing God's plan, because you want me to accomplish your plan. But if I'm Peter right now, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little confused. I mean, to, to Peter's defense, isn't this only what any good friend would do? I mean, if, if, if one of my close friends said, hey, man, these guys trying to jump me. If I walk in this room, they're going to beat me up bad. I'm going to say, well, we're not going to walk in that room. Let's get up in the car and let's, and let's go have us a good day. And you would think that, that, that Peter's heart and his motivation is in the right place. But Jesus reveals to us Peter's true motivation. For Jesus said, you are setting your mind on things of God, not on things of God, but on things of man. Jesus says you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You are not living to accomplish God's will, but you are living to accomplish your own will. You are not being motivated by. by your love for God, but you are being motivated only by your selfish desires and our selfish desires are not of God. And this leads me to my first takeaway this morning, and that is our selfish desires prevents us from accomplishing God's plan. Our selfish motivations, our selfish heart, our selfish desires, prevents us from accomplishing God's plan. Let's take a um, deeper look at at Peter for a second. Why out of all of the disciples did Peter take Jesus aside and try to stop Jesus from from fulfilling God's plan? Um, What was driving Peter? What was in Peter's heart? Was Was it his love for Jesus or was it his love for his own desires? Again, keep in mind a couple verses just before this. Jesus, Peter has just recognized who Jesus is—that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah who has come to save his people. And Peter, being a Jewish man, thought that when the Savior thought that when the Messiah finally came, that this Savior would be a great political leader who would dethrone the Romans and put the Jews back in power. See, see, Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but his hope and desire was for Jesus to come and to free his people from the weight of this oppressive group above him. Um, But Jesus said, your mind is not on things of God, but on your very own. For Jesus has come to say, I am here to save the world, not just you and your people. And Peter's motivation was his own selfish desire. And I believe that we all in our human natures are generally motivated by by two things. We are motivated by um, self-preservation and um, self-glorification. And These two things drive us to make the decisions that we make in life. I mean, I mean, think about it with me. Self-preservation is what causes us to protect ourselves and our loved ones from harm and pain financially, emotionally, and physically. Um, um, Self-preservation is what drives you to work those jobs that you really don't like working just so you can make the money to take care of your family. Self-preservation. Self-preservation is what is what makes people go outside and run down the street for no reason, just so they can be in feel, in good physical shape and, and good physical help. That's their self-preservation, and it also makes you purchase that life insurance policy, so if anything happens to you, your family is taken care of. See, see, press. Self-preservation isn't a bad motivation. It's it's actually a good thing to be driven um, by uh, wanting to protect and provide for you and those that you love. But we are also driven by self-glorification. And self-glorification is the drive and desire to be lifted up. Um, um, Self-glorification is the desire to gain recognition, status, and power. It's it's the it's what motivates you to look at the CEO office and, and say, I wanna work hard to get that office. Um self glorification is what make that guy go in the gym and take off his shirt and, and try to show everybody his little muscles so so all of us can look at him and be like that man, you know, he's strong. That's that's self-glorification. But but this is this is dangerous because it it causes us to not think about giving to others, but to only live for our selfish ways. Um, this is also dangerous because it prevents us from ever seeing and accepting God's purpose and his plans for our lives. And is this not what Peter is guilty of here? Um, Jesus says, I have, a, I have a plan to save the entire world, and that plans involve me suffering and dying But Peter, only concerned with his self-preservation and self-glorification of the Jews, he was blind to God's greater plan. See, our selfish desires and motivations prevents us from accomplishing God's plan. And the second thing I want us to see this morning, my second takeaway I have for us this morning that we all need to hear, is that God's plan will cost you. God's plan will cost you. Pursuing Jesus to live out God's plan will be costly. It will cost you something. But before I go further, I want to be careful to, to let you know what I'm not saying. I am not saying that salvation isn't free. I'm not saying that. Before salvation is the free gift of God to all who believe in Christ Jesus. For John three sixteen tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son who came into this world to live, suffer and die. But God's son, Jesus, just in died. But he rose from the dead, conquering the grave, defeating death. So now those who place their faith in him, in Jesus, have no need to fear death. But now you have the eternal confidence that you will spend everlasting life in the presence of God. That, that when you place your faith in Jesus, you, you receive this free gift of God and now you have the, the everlasting confidence that, that you will spend eternal life in a world free of harm, in a world free of brokenness, in a world free of hatred, that this is the gift to all those who place their faith in Jesus. And along with accepting this free gift, Jesus is teaching us that following him and accepting this gift is costly. This free gift comes with some responsibility. Um, look at verse 24 with me. Jesus keeps speaking and Jesus says, if anyone wanna will come after me, if anyone wants to ride with me, if anybody want to be on my team, he must first do what? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is saying that if you want to pursue me, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be a Christian, you have to do what? First, you have to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow in my footsteps. See, salvation is free, but following Jesus is costly. See, to deny yourself is actually the light way of saying die to yourself. That to to, to follow Jesus, we have to die to our selfish motives. We have to die to our selfish ambitions that that I no longer look to live my life as I have already lived. But now I am picking up my cross, choosing to follow Jesus. I am dying to my old way of living to follow in these new footsteps. Um, See, following Jesus is is, is Galatians 2.20. And Galatians 2.20 says that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. This life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave his life for me. That Jesus says that I have been crucified with Christ, that every follower of Christ You deny yourself. You die to yourself. I no longer live for my own way. I have literally been crucified with Christ. And now this life I live, I live following Jesus. I live in faith to God. And the mistake, um, the mistake that many Christians um, make is to set up your life to avoid suffering at all costs. The mistake that many Christians and the church have made is to set up our lives that requires the bare minimum of us. But Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again that there is a cause to follow me. That it's going to get a little uncomfortable if you want to follow me. That, that you're going to experience some hardships and maybe even times of suffering in following me. You have spent your entire life chasing comfort, trying to avoid suffering, and now the cost to follow me is to no longer live for yourself, but now to live for me. And um, I've been to so many um, conferences, um, youth conferences, college conferences, and at the end of the conference, the preacher, the speaker always, you know, does this call to repent, this call to follow Jesus. And what I believe um, we as a church has failed that is that we do this call to follow Jesus and we and we present it as if as if everything is going to be just easy. And when we say yes. To Jesus, there will be no more pain in my life. There will be um, um, only good times. But Jesus tells us that, man, to to truly follow me, you have to die to yourself and pick up your cross and be willing to obey me, and and that would take sacrifice. Um, I didn't pay for my bachelor's degree. I went to Arkansas State University, home of the Red Wolves, They almost beat Memphis last night, but that's a different story. And I went to Arkansas State and I didn't pay for any class. I didn't pay for any dorm room. I didn't pay for any books. I didn't pay for any meal on campus because a coach came to my house one day and sat in my living room and offered me a gift. He offered me a full ride scholarship to go to Arkansas State and do what I love and that was to play football. And though I received this free gift of going to college and getting my bachelor's degree, there was a cost in me accepting this free gift. There was some responsibility. Um, um, Something that it cost me was my time and my energy. There were mornings, because I was on the football team, I had to wake up at 5 a.m. You know what? I had to be on the field ready to run at 5 a.m. There were days when I... Had to wake up, lift weights, go to class, and then run back to the locker room, get dressed, and I literally was in football practice all day. It, it cost me my time. There were certain sacrifices that I had um, to make. I wasn't able to have the entire summer to myself because I had to be on campus for summer workouts. I couldn't go to every party or do everything everyone else did because I had to be at practice. Even though I had this free gift of, self, of, of a scholarship, it was costly. And this is a small example of what the Christian life looks like. Following God will cost us. There will be hardship along the way. There will be personal sacrifice involved, and there will even be suffering and following Jesus. But the one thing that I, I fear this morning is that, is that we have been taught or brought to believe the false idea that following Jesus is about having a stress-free life. Um, that many have been brought to believe that being a Christian means your life will be easy. And, have, and that everything will just go your way in life. And I fear this because this way of thinking is not only what Jesus is teaching against, but it's, but it's what causes people to wander off the path of God altogether. It's this way of thinking that causes people to say, if God is real, why did he allow this to happen? That, that if God is so good, if God is so real, why would he have allowed my mom to pass away from cancer? Why would he have allowed me to lose my job in the middle of this pandemic? Why would he have allowed me to lose my child? If God is good, why would he have allowed this? And we get to to this point because we think that God is supposed to eliminate all types of hardship out of our lives. But that is simply not what Jesus is teaching us. And this way of thinking is what is so dangerous because it it drives us when these um, hard times come or when the road and life gets bumpy, it causes us to say, you know what? I deserve what I want. So instead of following you, God, I'm going to go and live however I want to live. I'm going to press the the pause button on following you because life isn't going how I want it to go. So now I'm about to go and live how I want to live. That's the case for um, a popular, uh, famous pastor. I just found out this week. I read this, this, this article online that this popular, famous pastor um, was exposed to having his second affair this year. Um, and I was reading the the article and he started to describe what led him to have this affair and he said he was frustrated with his wife because his wife wasn't living up to his standard. He was frustrated with his wife because his wife wasn't cooking for him and he was eating frozen pizza every day. And he thought, because I, I'm not getting what I want because life isn't going how I want, I deserve to go out and do what I want to do. And I share this story with you not to gossip or, or to cast shame upon this man, but more so as a warning for us all. I I share this story to help you and me see that we are all capable of the same thing. That 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 we are all capable of being tempted to think that our way is better than God's. And to stay on the right path, to to really follow God's plan, we have to first pick that to ourselves deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him and i um started this this time by saying the main theme of this message is to stop living for your own plan and to live for god's plan but if following god is so costly of of pursuing jesus It so costs me. If if following God means I have to deny myself and no longer live how I want to live, why should I follow Jesus? Like, what does Jesus offer me in return? And we see the answer in verse 25 or 26. For Jesus says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? This leads me to my third and my final um, takeaway this morning, and that is God's plan leads to the true reward. God's plan leads to the true reward. I want us to keep in mind that these are the very words of Jesus. Look at it carefully with me. Um, Jesus says that who, whoever will save his life, whoever lives hanging on, clinging to his life, is actually going to lose it. But whoever denies themselves and let go and follow me is the one who will actually, in fact, gain life. Jesus then asks the question, he, he says, what profit is it if you gain the whole world but forfeit your soul? What benefit would, would you profit, what benefit or what profit would you get if you can get everything in this world, but at the end of the day, you're going to be left with nothing? See, this is the great illusion that Satan and Israel wants us to, to believe. See, the illusion is that true life, true happiness is found not by trusting God, but, but by trusting in ourselves. Not by trusting in God's plan, but going out and living a life without God, and is, and is this not the lie that Satan tempted Adam and, and, and Eve with, um, with the garden, in the garden, that God told Adam and Eve that this entire world is yours; you have dominion and reign over everything; you can enjoy everything this world has to offer you. You just can't eat from this one tree because if you do, you will surely die. And Satan came up with his sneaky tail and he said, um, um, do you know that true life is found not by listening to God, but by doing the very thing that God told you not to do? And we know the story. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. And instead of finding life, they found death. And, and we all are taught the same thing. We all are, are taught in this world that everlasting life, a fulfilling life is by getting more of this world. That, that, that if you have problems, more money can solve your problem. That, that, that if you feel lonely, all you got to do is get married. That, 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 that if you um, um, hate your job, all you got to do is go find another job and then you will be happy. But, but, but we continue to get more money and we still aren't satisfied. Uh, So many people are married now and they feel more lonely than ever. So many people are job hopping, job hopping, and they still cannot find peace in their day to day lives. And Jesus is saying that what gain, what profit is it if you have everything this world has to offer, if you only trust and look to build up your wealth and your treasures by gaining more and more of this world. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be empty. And at the end of the day, you're still going to have nothing. But if you lose everything, if you let go of trying to cling to this this very dream, this very ideal of your own life, then you will find rest. Then you will find the very life you are hoping for, everlasting life. And the funny thing is that when I was doing college ministry, I used to walk on, on the college campus, and I will talk to college students, and they all would kind of say things like, you know, I'm in college now. It's time for me to live my best life. It's time for me to live it up. When I get out of college, I might settle down later, and then I might follow God. But right now, I'm going to have fun. My fun and my happiness and my life is found outside of God. And we get this idea, we get this picture that that, that God is trying to rob us of a good life. We we begin to view God as this God who is trying to rob us of the good things, of the pleasure of this world that that he's this mean person in heaven who just wants us to sit down and have no fun. And this could this can be the, the furthest thing from the truth. This is actually the most opposite thing. For God is saying that I want you to let go of your life so you so I can give you the real life that you are longing for. That I need you to first let go of this. So 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 I'm not trying to take nothing from you. I'm actually trying to give you the very thing that you are longing for. Stop storing up treasures in Israel, stop living for your own selfish ambition and your own plan and live. For my plan, because that's the true reward. That's where the true life is found. God is saying, I'm not trying to take nothing from you, but I'm actually trying to give you everlasting life. I'm actually trying to give you my righteousness. I'm actually trying to heal your broken wounds. I'm actually trying to give you a hope in the future. I'm actually trying to give you peace that transcends all understanding. I'm actually trying to give you pleasures forevermore, fullness of joy. I'm actually trying to give you me. I'm not trying to take nothing from you. I'm trying. I am the good father who loves you, and I'm trying to give you. But first, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And it might be a little hard. It might be um, unpleasant sometimes, but it's worth it. Um, Some of you know I have a um, 10-month-old baby girl, Karis. And she just started walking out the blue. We didn't try to make her walk. And one weekend, she just stood up, took some steps. By the next day, she was walking all all over the house. And, you know, it's fun. It's cute to see babies walk. They they got this new milestone. But it's been so frustrating because I feel like all I do now is take stuff out of her mouth now that she walks she just walks all over the house no matter where she is and anything that's on the ground she picks it up and puts it in her mouth i I took a rock out her mouth i took a wood chip out her mouth i took an old gummy bear out her mouth no matter what it is she put it in her mouth and one morning this week this just happened i'm cooking breakfast you know I'm whipping up some eggs. You know, your boy, I'm actually a chef part-time. Y'all can follow my page, um, but, but now isn't the time for that. Um, um, but, you know, I'm in the kitchen scrambling up some eggs, you know, sizzling up some bacon so me and my baby girl can enjoy breakfast. And I look down, and she is over by the trash can, and she's just smacking on something. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this girl went in the trash can, and she is eating, I don't know what, from the trash can. So I ran over there to her. I'm like, baby girl, no, you can't have that. And I'm trying to, you know, take it out of, out of her mouth, and she began to fight to hang on to what was in her mouth. I put my finger in her mouth, and she literally bit me bit down and bit my finger she bit me so hard i almost forgot she was my daughter for a second like that, that's how hard she bit me and i was like baby girl no you can't have this and she thought i was trying to take something good from her but in fact i was trying to i was actually trying to protect her and i was actually trying to give her what she was really wanting some real food and not some old trash can food and and the very thing that we think will give us life God is saying that's not it God is saying stop hanging on to this to this empty promise stop 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 living for your selfish desires and trust in me and follow me ask me what's my plan ask me what 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 do I want you to do with your money what do I want you to do with your time how can we Get in the game and follow Jesus and stop living for ourselves. Let's not be Christians who who just try to avoid suffering at all costs. But let's be soldiers for Jesus who says, Jesus, I'm in the game and I'm following you. I got my cross on my back and I'm following you and I'm able to follow you and trust you because I know that you are the good, good father who would not withhold any good gift from me. How do I know that God would not withhold any good gift from us? Because he has already sent his one and only son, Jesus, who came down, who who did not um, live for a profit, but, but he forfeited his right so that he could die and not play. So now through him, we may have everlasting life. I need us to see that Jesus denied himself, picked up his cross and followed God. So now that you and I could no longer live our entire lives and be left with nothing, but we could die, and we can die with confidence in this physical world knowing that our life is just beginning, that we will spend all of eternity in heaven, in paradise. And whenever you get discouraged, but whenever you lose faith, all you got to do in this time is remember the cross and continue to pursue God. And even as we get ready to take communion, we take communion, remembering God, remembering Jesus, remembering that it's by his blood that, 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 that we have found forgiveness. It's by his body being shed have we found this new life. That the answer to following God, the answer to getting through life, it's not, it's not me and you working harder, but the answer is by us first following Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for your message. Lord, I thank you for even in the hardships and times of suffering. Lord, you are a God who is with us. Lord, that that you have not called us to something on our own, but Lord, you have called us to a life to live um, by your side. I thank you, Lord, that it's by your grace that we find the strength to carry on, And I pray for everyone at home right now listening, Lord. I pray that you convict us. Show us, Lord, the the, the areas in our lives, Lord, where we are living for ourselves and not for you. Lord, call us to a deeper faith and a deeper conviction in you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So now we're going to continue um, in worship by the giving of, of, of offering.